Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Kyla, and you're listening to a Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, Layla, can you join? open us up in prayer, please? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today, God, and I invite you into our midst to teach us as we go through our devotionals, Lord, and just show us things about you, Lord, and show us the truth behind your Word, Lord, and, and what you want us to do, God. And I thank you for today, and that is Valentine's Day, and I ask that you'll bless each person, Lord, today, and just be with them as they go about doing what it is that you've called them to do, Lord. And I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we are continuing our study with Daniel, chapter 7, and I just want to welcome everybody, and welcome our good brother, Dean. Is a, a blessing to have him back with us to help study and discuss the word. So, welcome, brother. Well, thanks for having me, but I'm the one that gets blessed. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we all get blessed, all right? That's that's iron sharpening iron. That's you know being used by the Holy Spirit to minister each one their needs. So, Amen. You have definitely been a blessing to us, and mm-hmm. we are grateful to the Lord and thankful to Him for you. Mm-hmm. So, and to all the listeners. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to do something a little different this time. We are, like I said, we're in Daniel chapter 7, and there is a lot contained within here. Um, there is a vision, um, a couple of visions, and they are sequential, like back to back. So, And then there are the interpretations for the visions given to Daniel. So we're going to start with the visions, and we're going to pause after each one for for a moment so there will be some silence just just so everybody you know can mm-hmm. can understand and ha- take a moment to to pause and and let the holy spirit minister to you reflect on what's said and mm-hmm. and definitely come into some understanding of what's happening because there's a lot in there and then we'll continue with the next set of verses after you know a brief pause, and um, and then we'll begin to discuss um, what the Holy Spirit is impressing on us. All right. Okay. okay. Yes. All right. Well, that being said, can I get a volunteer to read in Daniel chapter seven verses one through eight, please? I will. In the first year, first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions on. Of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's eagle's wings. I watched till his wings were plucked off, and it was lifted from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to him. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth, in its mouth between its teeth. 
And they said thus to him, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given it to him. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was like, his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like white, like pure wool. Sorry, his throne was a fiery flame; its wheels a burning fire. A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then because of the words of the pop, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their domain take dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming from the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancients of days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Amen. <clears throat> all right, well, there's a lot in there. So I want to, as is our custom, begin by opening the floor to you guys and... Letting you share what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you about this whole section. And also, uh, I'll say it in this way. Just like it was with the last dream, we, at least I in this moment, don't feel led to discuss the the dream in, I'll say, in, in the prophetic form. A lot of people do to focus on end-time prophecy and, you know, want to explain the the meaning and the, you know, I'll say overlaid on real world events and what's what's happened or happening. And uh, that's not how we're being led in this moment. But just like uh, we did when we discussed uh, the dream and the interpretation of the dream from Nebuchadnezzar given and interpreted by Daniel, we um, go and discuss it in the context of the nature and character of the Lord and who he is so that we can better understand him and deepen our relationship with him. All right? Okay. Yes. All right. Who wants to go first? I will. I found verse, okay, verse 10, interesting. The second half, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. 
I just found that very interesting because it goes to show that the Lord is not a hypocrite. He does exactly what he tells us to do in the word, to have a group of um, group of people to help minister, like what Moses had. And how the Lord, it's not that he needs anybody else, but he still has others to help like Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's not just doing it by himself, but he's able and willing to listen. And like when he was... I think it was Paul who was talking about how go to your brother, then if he doesn't listen, take a friend. And then if he doesn't listen again, I think you go to the elders, right? Or is there one other thing before that? Friend, elder. Yes. If he, if he does not listen, bring a friend. And if he still doesn't listen, then it says to go before the elders or bring it before the elders. All right? Yes. So you're right. Now continue with what you're saying and, and explain. He does that in his own kingdom. He gives us exactly what he doesn't ask us to do on earth. He doesn't give us abstract concepts that he does not follow, but he does everything that he says he does. Yes, he is faithful to to uphold his word, right? This is the yes. word that he... He states as he holds above his very name. And to that name, every knee shall bow. So it shows you, we should now be able to put it in context, the significance of the words that the Lord speaks and has had written for our knowledge and understanding so we can understand him. So good. Anyone else? I just um in seven um <clears throat> in verse two here, um I was looking at the stirring up, right? The being waters being stirred up. And so going back to the um Hebrew, it comes from the the word um giok. And the definition of that word is to break forth. Mm-hmm. Um it's only it's only showing it being used once. Um with the with the app I'm I have and so it shows it as being interpreted properly. We're stirring up, mm-hmm. but it's interesting as you think about break forth and what that means, especially in relationship to this vision and what's going on in the vision. To me, it's a reminder of God's sovereignty over what's going on. That this was held back until a time that it was allowed to break forth. These things happen always. So when we look at sections of Scripture like this that could be considered terrifying or could be considered um, at least putting us, um, make us feel trepid, right? Um, we remember that all this is God's timing. All this is all part of his plan, which is ultimately going to lead to our full redemption and restoration and becoming more Christ-like, and that God becomes glorified in that. Mm-hmm. So um, just thought that was interesting. Amen. Amen. It does bring comfort to the believer to know that God has structured everything. He's accounted for everything. Oftentimes we take the perspective of time God being like we are, which is without 
foresight or foreknowledge and we mm-hmm. react and respond versus our preemptive and moving in things. We are, we are often, so say that something will happen and then it prompts us to then respond and pray or something of that nature, but God is not like that. He already knows when he says he declared the end from the beginning, he meant that. When he says that he is eternal, you know, that he was and is and is to come, he means that. And so he has a very, um, there's no limit to his perspective, and he's accounted for and prepared for and predestined and planned and answered everything that's ever going to happen from beginning to end. So that is that is very comforting to know that about our Heavenly Father. Right, where he has so much depth to his perspective, we have a very limited perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we see evil, especially in the times that we live in, mm-hmm. um, and we see what some may interpret as evil coming forth, they they also Im- impose their thoughts upon us as if we should worry. But all of this is part of God's sovereign plan. His sovereignty is not diminished or changed whatsoever, mm-hmm. regardless of how we see things. Mm-hmm. And so that's more what I saw. I just said, this is all part of his plan. It's, it's been fully restrained until mm-hmm. the exact time that he allowed it to break forth and allowed it to come. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, the, the I'll say not that word exactly, but breaking forth is uh, a term that's described in multiple locations throughout the Bible. Isaiah being uh, probably one of the biggest, Isaiah fifty-eight eight. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And you see that, like I said, throughout Scripture, in Exodus, it's mentioned in the Psalms and, and other places in Isaiah and Jeremiah about, um, again, these are characteristics, attributes, a um, part of the Lord's nature, His righteousness, His glory. He is the light shining in and through us. When we come into alignment with Him and His plan, it's Him that's that's going forth, that we are not fighting or contending with, but allowing to break free and in and through us, diffusing the the oil, the aroma of the Lord in every place. And uh, so I just find that interesting. It applies to to both what's happening in the earth, but also us and our role in it, while describing the nature and character of the Lord. So I, I think it's important to to keep that in perspective, right? The Lord he doesn't have to. But he chooses to use us, people, his servants, those that he can can trust and have a heart and a willingness to, a mind also, to to be aligned with him. And because of our love for him, that we're really returning to him because he first gave it to us. It's a desire to be close to him and be used by him to accomplish his plan and his purpose. So, yeah, I think that's that's great and that's mm-hmm. important and uh, something we shouldn't lose sight of. We have a, a role and a part, and and the Lord desires to utilize us in that plan, to bring forth that plan, which is incredible because he really doesn't have to. Uh, I mean, you saw even in the creation, didn't need people to go turn on the lights of the stars and the moon. No, he just spoke and it was done. Mm-hmm. But he and his... Yeah, his infinite wisdom and mercy and grace has chosen to use us mm-hmm. to help accomplish his plan. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's uh, it's important. We should not take that lightly. Certainly not. It's good for us as believers to have a, a clear perspective that the spiritual is always going forward and it's always moving. And um, as you said, Dean, not to be afraid because God has already taken care of it. And, you know, when you were talking about, Dean, the the timing that these things couldn't come forward until, a, you know, a particular time, and then the Lord said, okay, you know, in a human mind we would go, well, why do we need to see the bad at all? Why do we even have to deal with that? Why not just go on and, you know, keep it covered and act like it's not there? But, um you know, if we look back in e- eternity into the spiritual realm, we see that there was a beginning where there was Lucifer who um, left his abode as a creature of God and things of that nature. And God is still dealing with those things and he's using time to do it um, as he, you know, purifies the heavenly community. And understanding that even when it comes to applying it to our life, God doesn't just close his eyes to wickedness. Or evil, he doesn't throw a blanket over it and go. Well, we're just not going to look at it. We're just not going to deal with it. Just move on and get to the end. He doesn't do that. He does things right and righteously, and that's his way. That's who he is. That's his character. Um, so, you know, as things go forward, things are constantly happening in the the seen, but more in particular in the unseen that have a manifestation in what we can see around us. So just be confident in knowing God has already answered. He's already spoken. He's already put into position the dealing with whatever those things are. And because of his righteousness, he doesn't preemptively snatch away the opportunity to change. Like for people in particular, he gives us a chance to make a choice. So just because he knows what we're going to do, he does not then take away our opportunity to have a choice, to have you know, to f- carry out those actions. Now, that is not a blanket to say if somebody wicked wants to do something to a believer, God just lets them do it. Not saying that because we know he has a protection covenant with us. That's a part of our, our covenant with him that he protects us and he will stay the enemy's hand. But I mean, as far as um, like the enemy, Satan, doing certain activities and carrying certain things out, that's already been dealt with. So we don't have to be afraid. We can be confident in our Heavenly Father and continue to press forward and move with him. Anyone else have anything they want to share? No. No. Okay. I have something real quick. I found it interesting in verse 5 when it was a bear and he was told to go devour much flesh. I just found it interesting because that's a... Overall, what the devil strives to do, you can see the Lord was showing me when he was saying devour much flesh is more so trying to take as many people with him to show as he can. And he's going out into the world to do that, but the Lord was showing me that he'll, it's only the people that allow themselves to be swindled that go. He does, he doesn't have the power to overcome a Christian that is truly living in Christ because there's nothing that he can do once, if you truly have the Holy Spirit that can trick him, essentially. And make him stumble. And the Lord has shown me that it's always his intention to go do that. He doesn't have a different plan every time. He just wants to go take as many people as he can, no matter the consequences. So he is a Satan? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you do see that, especially in verse 7, where it talks about the devouring or breaking into pieces with these iron teeth, right? But the interesting thing is, it doesn't talk about eating it. It's just breaking it apart, and then whatever falls down, it just gets trampled. So yes, absolutely, just like, I'll say, the enemy, the evil one, right, Satan. You see that, that same principle. And so it's good, sir. It's not about... Uh, well, he's just looking to devour, right? To destroy as many as he can. So it comes to us, what will we do? Will we guard ourselves and our hearts and keep them towards the Lord? Or will we be led astray and allow sin to ultimately, um, well, again, sin's only there to steal, kill, and destroy. And when it brings forth its fullness of the fruit that sin bears, it is death. So what will we do for our spiritual and natural bodies? And I just want to read the scripture really quickly, addressing what you're saying um, from the, the side of the, the believer, why we have such confidence in our Heavenly Father. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also... Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So when we're in Christ and we are pursuing him and we've, we've made that, that honest reach towards him, the Holy Spirit seals us and he is able to get us to the finish line. So we don't have to be worried or fearful of what the enemy would try to do. But we do and are required to maintain our confession of faith. We are required to maintain our um, our confession that Jesus is our Lord and to, to do the things that honor him. Okay? But we should have confidence in, in the plan that God has set forth. He thought of everything. He didn't leave anything undone. Okay. Guess and, and I love oh. through, like, the entire description that we read about in verses 9 through 14, definitely talking about the Lord and his ways. And, and we've already heard some of these things in the book of Daniel. It talks about how he was, uh, oh, especially verse 14, he's given a kingdom and dominion and glory, and uh, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which won't, be, which won't pass away. Mm-hmm. That was Nebuchadnezzar's, or King Nebuchadnezzar's proclamation after seeing, uh, well, casting David or Daniel's companions into the fire, all right? What does it say in, in chapter 4? It says, uh, To all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. thought it was good to declare the signs and wonders that the Lord, that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. See the same thing in verse 34. Uh, I lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. And you see this throughout. Actually, just even in this book, it is. it was an understanding of God, of his nature, of his character, and not just by the children of Israel, but by all who 
well, even I'll say with King Nebuchadnezzar, he worshipped other gods. But it just fulfills scripture. Every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Right? Mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord. You you see his character, his nature, his attributes described in this whole section. And you see they're the same, whether it's for people that grew up in the faith, as it were, right, for lack of a better way to phrase it, where they grew up in knowing the Lord and, and reading the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the five the books of Moses, uh, the Old Testament up to this point, you know, as it was being written, but especially the books of Moses, right? It, or someone who had clearly worshipped other gods their entire life. But even he, as Nebuchadnezzar, in this book, acknowledged who God is and his nature and his character. He knew that he knew. That's why he states it multiple times. So you see, there's no difference, if you will. Everyone will confess of who God is and his character, and his nature, his attributes, mm-hmm. rightly. So, uh, like, I am, you know, I'll say, floored by, especially that, just that whole part, uh, section, uh, verses 9 through 14, because there's so many things in there. Mm-hmm. How, yes, like, what Charles pointed out, on just the thousands and, and ten thousand times 10,000 that stood before him. And, you know, just how, how I was like, large and how great our God is. Mm-hmm. But then you see all these that he has saved and he's brought out of, I'll say, uh, the furnace, the, the fiery furnace uh, brought out of hell and, and brought into his own. And just... Everything that's being described there, like the sounds, the the actions that are being done, just all speaks to the greatness of God and what He is doing. And <laughs> and yes, this is a vision for Daniel, but I don't know just how great and awesome like this sight, this vision must have been, and it's only a glimpse that Daniel got to see of the goodness, the greatness of the Lord, and all those that have clearly are around the Lord and and those have gone before Daniel that are being used and still ministering to the Lord. But isn't that our role here on the earth? Is to minister to the Lord? Right? That's always the role of the priests, the Levites, was to minister to and before the Lord. It's part of the reason they had to be sanctified, separated, set apart for service to the Lord. I don't mean from people, because they also ministered to the people. Right? Yes. Our role is much the same. Everything we do is to be done as unto the Lord. We are to love God, and we are to love His people. Our neighbor as ourself. And in doing so, being led by the Holy Spirit, saying what he says to say, doing what he says to do, we are, in fact, ministering to the Lord. It's out of love and obedience to him. 
Any thoughts on that? Any any questions? No. Okay. So do we want to move forward? Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're just going to have to go right to the end of the chapter to get the full context of and the, and the interpretation. Okay. So can I get a volunteer to read from 15 to the end? I will. All right, sir. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth about the four beasts, which was different from all the others. Exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which three fell, fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth king, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom of earth, on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand, for a time and for a time and times and a half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion, to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion shall serve, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept them out of my heart. All right, so... What's the Holy Spirit Spirit ministering to you and and or do you have any questions? I have a question. All right, Layla. What does pompous mean? <laughs> pompous. Let's. Uh, we're gonna look up the. Let's find the dictionary. The actual definition. Yes. Uh, oh, you know something you, about that? Yes. Pompous are boastful and arrogant words. That's very true. Yes. What's it say, mm. honey, honey? It says, affectedly and irritatingly grand. Irritatingly grand, solemn, or self-important. And the synonyms, self-important, Synonym. mm-hmm. imperious, overbearing, domineering, magisterial. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Let's that was see. a good... Oh, the good definition, sir. So it says excessively elevated or ornate. 
having mm-hmm. or exhibiting self-importance, relating to or suggestive of pomp or splendor. Mm. Um, so why would he be boasting if he's about to get his butt kicked? <laughs> well, it says that he was speaking pompous words against the Most High. So that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I will ascend. I will be like the most high. Those are those are the words that Satan said when he thought to dethrone God and replace him. Um, Absolutely. But you see that same pattern anywhere that even people choose to I'll say, come against the Lord, all right? Concoct their own plans, their own ways, and choose to walk in them, not the Lord's plan, in the Lord's way. Right? There's no counsel against the Lord. That's right. But how many times have we trusted our own counsel and moved forward in that plan and then reap the results, the consequences, or the fruit? Typically, it's bad fruit, right? But the fruit of that, of those actions, of those thoughts that then are put into action. Okay, so you see it looks the same everywhere. There's There are consequences for that. But the Lord's ways, they're just, they're righteous, and they produce good fruit. So there's a lesson for us, right? Which is why also why Jesus could say, you are like your father, the devil. Because the similarity is there. Sin looks the same at the core, at the heart of it. It looks the same everywhere. May it be done in the exact same way, method, manner? No, but at the core, it's the same. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I say it not to condemn anyone, but that's so we can learn and understand what it is. All right, because... Bible says we should not be unaware of the schemes of the devil. Right, but this is just the sin nature. So if I understand, and I'm not saying you have to study how it's sin, but we should understand its nature. Right? So that way we can refrain from it. We can identify it within ourselves if we, you know, are in the midst of doing it. And then bring it before our Father, repent, and move forward in his plan. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, the, um, when we think about the enemy and the use of words, of course, for me, pompous, um, although the definitions are accurate, when I think about the application of the word, I think of it more of an exaltation that is unplaced, right, or unmerited. Mm-hmm. Undo, and, that's right. Uh, undo, mm-hmm. right. And then um, it comes from uh, Rob Rob. And it means very great things. Mm-hmm. So the enemy is often speaking very great things of himself. Mm-hmm. But the purpose most often is to get us to question God's truth. So we look at lies. What are lies? They're counter truth. Mm-hmm. But they're typically told to get us to abandon truth. Mm-hmm. And so the enemy, if we abandon truth, if we abandon the truth of God's words, then then he's one in that. So this this... These pompous words, um, I'm sure, 
or I, I strongly believe that they're you're used to get us to think something other than who is the supreme ruler, who is almighty, who is the author of truth. And that's all the enemy's trying to do, steal, kill, and destroy. As we talked about, you said the schemes of the devil just a minute ago, the Charles you were talking about. There's nothing new. He doesn't do anything new. It's unfortunate he doesn't need to because it works too well because his people don't know his word well enough. And, and even that, it comes to a, down to a choice. Are we willing to, to know and to understand? And then even greater yet, the, I'll say the process is first submit to God. And resist the devil. So are we willing to submit to the Lord? Or Jesus said the same things like um, multiple times, but in John 7, I believe he says, even the teaching I give isn't mine, but if anyone is willing, he'll understand the teaching, whether it comes from God or whether I speak of myself. So you see, even in there, there's a discerning that's occurring or that should occur, right? Being able to separate the holy from the profane and knowing where where what is being stated comes from in full. So either it's truth or it's a lie. It's counterfeit. It's mm-hmm. there may be some elements of truth in there, try to mix in or or be woven in to the tapestry, if you will, to the, the creation of that falsehood, that lie, mm-hmm. deception. But we should be able to identify it. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's a twisting or a misappropriation of the word of God. Like, oh yes it is a scripture indeed but mm-hmm. how you are applying it, as in when Satan was um, tempting Jesus, he came to when Jesus responded with Scripture, Satan said, oh, okay, I can play that game. That's, that's my version of it. Mm-hmm. And then he responded to him <laughs> with Scripture. But he was twisting the application of the Scripture, mm-hmm. which is then manipulation. So even understanding that, yes, I'm quoting a Bible, a Bible verse, but my intention is to cause you to sin against God. That's wrong. And so... Like you said, Dean, everything that Satan does is to draw us away from God, to lead us away from Jesus, to make us um, turn our backs on him and pursue something else. And I think we've talked about this over the last, the, the last couple of weeks. Satan doesn't care about technicalities. <laughs> He'll take a, you know, if it's an illegitimate win or you just didn't know any better, he doesn't care. That's why God tells us not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, and it says that because they have rejected knowledge, it causes them to now be rejected. So it's important that we take the whole counsel of God, but take it seriously as well. And not pursue it as though, oh, I have time. I can learn later. It doesn't matter. And not be distracted also by looking at the human that's sitting in front of you. Um, We spend a lot of time talking about, let's look at what's really happening. Because when God deals with things, he deals with the root of the matter. He deals with the truth of the matter. And if you're distracted by the fruit of the matter, you'll miss the whole thing that's going on. Whoever these kings are, yes, it matters, but is it the greater importance? Is it the thing of greater importance? Because... We're also told in the New Testament that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's not the people standing in front of you, whomever they are, whatever their accent, whatever their outfit they're wearing that day, whatever anything else, their level of wealth or poverty, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's going, what's the truth of it, what's happening in the spiritual realm, what's the real cause of it, right? Yes. Okay. So 
as we're looking at these things, you can see we have our Messiah, our God, who is clearly the one that's in authority. He clearly has dominion, and that should be our focus. And also, like wise students of the master, we should be prepared and aware of what else is going on around us. That way we are not deceived as woman was in the garden. So, John, I think I've shared this with you before. Um, both my parents were bankers. Yes. And um, in order to take the tellers um, to help prevent uh, counterfeit money from being passed at the bank, they would take new tellers, they would put them in the vault, and they would have them count money for hours on end. And the reason they would do that is that if a counterfeit bill or coin got into their hands, they knew the feel of the real bills so well that a counterfeit would actually stand out. It was just like it felt mm-hmm. completely different. You ever like had a stack of paper and you know, also one of them feels like thicker or different or mm-hmm. more slick? Mm-hmm. The same kind of thing. And although that doesn't apply anymore into banking, but it, it did well. The analogy is still the same for us as believers. We are to know God's word so deeply and intimately mm-hmm. that when the lies are told, it's just they're just completely transparent to us. And that's really where the challenge is. Exactly, but and then even with that example, how did they learn to separate it? They handled the real thing. They handled truth. For us, truth is the word. It is that constant uh, remaining in his presence, mm-hmm. the Lord's presence. Yes, his written word, but also what he's speaking and ministering to us. And the more time we spend with that, as you were just pointing out in the example with the bills, with money, <laughs> you know, um, the more time we spend with the real thing, the quicker and easier it is to identify counterfeit, mm-hmm. fake, what's false. That's right. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't go on that, into that temptation until what? He had he received the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He is not a mute. He is not an inanimate object. He is not just there but has no purpose he is god the holy spirit is god he is here and he has an important role which is why jesus stressed and emphasized the importance i mean he was like excited mm-hmm. looking forward to the holy spirit being given into the earth and he told his disciples don't go anywhere until you receive the holy spirit of promise so because in that moment When someone speaks scripture to you, but it's twisted, the Holy Spirit is who quickens to you. I understand what they're saying, but let me tell you the truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who does what? Guides us into all truth. He takes what belongs to Jesus and declares it unto us. And all things that Jesus, all things of the fathers belong to Jesus. That's why he said the Holy Spirit will take of mine and declare it unto you. So we need him. He is the one who teaches us. He is the one who trains us. He is the one who cultivates and makes his word alive and helps us to apply it correctly. And so we need to, in time in his presence and in his word, allow the Holy Spirit to come in. Allow him to become active in your life. You should always be hearing his voice. He should always be your counselor, the first stop. And considering not your own thoughts, but what do you say, Holy Spirit? What do you call this? What do you think about it? That way, we're not deceived. We need both the word written and we need a, the spoken word 
constantly and continually in our lives, spoken by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then just to I'll say double back on this, this last part. It talks about the way I, when I look at this, I'm also looking at our role, right? And we talked about this briefly earlier. And of course, what the Lord says is, is true and it's faithful. Right? You can... You can hold him to it. It will come to pass. Mm-hmm. But it talks about all whether it's these kings giving their, their kingdom, their power, their authority away. Right? We have a role to play. We have been given opportunities, set in places, however great or small, by the Lord. What are we going to do with what we've been given? Right? The parable of the talents. Right? We're responsible for that. And you see in here, these kingdoms gave it away. These kings gave their, the power of their kingdoms away. But then you see at the end, starting in verse 26, it says, The court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion. That is, well, for the one speaking the pompous words against the Most High. So, yes, as I look at that, yes, there is the judgment aspect, clearly. But then there's also a key message for us. We, as believers, as Christians, need to come in, into our place, right? Into the court. It says, the court shall be seated. I can't be seated in a place that's not mine. Which means you have a place. And Paul writes and says, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Mm -hmm. We are already. Now, in this time, in this earth, not just when we go to be with our Heavenly Father, but now, right? The the whole point is His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So we need to take our place and the, the authority and the power that comes with that through, through Jesus, through the name of Jesus, our relationship with him, being led by the Holy Spirit, now. That is a, as I read this, I don't know, that, that really jumps out to me. Mm-hmm. Take, take your place. Mm-hmm. It's been given to you, right? The Lord, the Lord sets up and he takes down. Right, I mean, that, that's set up over and over. But he's telling us, hey, the court shall be seated. Well, you're part of that court. We are kings and priests, a kingdom of kings and priests. We have a spot. The Lord has given us that mm-hmm. in his grace and his mercy and his wisdom. He has chosen to bless us with that. So come into your role fully. Mm-hmm. It's not just for pastors or apostles or prophets or evangelists or teachers. What's deemed or typically considered the fivefold ministry but it's for all the saints. All the believers have a place and have been given authority, dominion through Christ, only through Christ, not of yourself. No no seven sons of Sceva <laughs> going on over here. It didn't work out very well for them. But those that are actually in a true, personal, intimate knowledge with the Lord, a relationship with the Lord, knowledge but relationship they have this they have been given authority so fully come into your role that's what I want to encourage you with this morning 
Choose that. Choose to come into relationship with the Lord. Be willing to understand what He's teaching you. And fully come into that place. The role set for you. Any other comments or questions? No. No? All right. Can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer? I will. All right. In your name, O Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for being a good and a faithful God, that you triumph over every trial that we may face, God. We thank you for the strength to overcome by you, God. We thank you for the gospel being spread in the earth, God, and the provisions you make for those that are in need, God, that you make a way for them to receive you, God. I ask that you keep the new and young believers and you keep the ones that have been in the faith for a long time, God. I ask that you guard their minds, their hearts, and their souls, God. And guide their steps as they continue to walk after you, God. I ask that you help the new believers, awaken them, God, so they can see you, look up and see you, God. And I ask that you bless them and you keep them, God. I thank you for the Day of Prayer partners, God, and our listeners. And thank you for my parents and Mr. Dean as well. And all these things we ask in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, love you, Dean. We are blessed and thankful that you can be with us. So we thank the Lord for you, brother, and for the insight that he's given you. And discussing these scriptures with us. And for everybody else, we love you. Keeping you lifted up in prayer. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.